All right now, you're listening to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Bronin, just a fed-up taxpayer, bringing you all of your Texas local and national news. Welcome to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I am Bronin, your host. Thank you for tuning in once again. Or if you are a first-time listener to the Real Texas Radio Podcast, 1,000 welcomes. This show today, we're going to be talking all about delusion, typically perpetrated by the Democrats, local issues. And if I have time, I'm going to discuss the Ken Paxton, the Attorney General of Texas, who was impeached in the House and is facing trial in the Texas Senate this week. I will discuss updates there too. But first, I want to talk about the Dallas Morning News, which has been publishing story after story after story about the fentanyl crisis that's raging throughout the United States. But of course, here in the North Texas region, there have been well over 1,000 deaths in the last year or two. Many young people, many people of color, Latinos, who have overdosed from fentanyl in some cases, perhaps in a plurality of cases, allegedly, these younger people, they ingested fentanyl unknowingly. They were purchasing, using other kinds of drugs, unclear if they were obtained legally through prescription or if they were prescription street drugs. In any case, there have been some very high-profile cases of fentanyl overdoses. Now, in 2022, we know that there were well over 100,000 fentanyl-related overdoses. What else do we know? Where is the fentanyl coming from? Well, let me put on the on the music here to give you a moment to try to think, try to figure out where, where is the fentanyl coming from? Because the Dallas Morning News has buried where the fentanyl is coming from in, in the story. Deep into the article, right around paragraph 14 or 15, that's where the Dallas Morning News first brings to readers' attention where the fentanyl is coming from. And they mention another country first, about seven or eight paragraphs in, the Dallas Morning News article that I am going to read just a little bit from. It's titled, How Fentanyl Crept Into North Texas. And it's got some other words too, but that's the lead. How Fentanyl Crept into North Texas. Well, one might argue, a more cynical observer may argue that fentanyl has done a lot more than crept. Apparently, fentanyl was first created in Belgium in 1959. Belgium. Does that country name rise to the top of the list when you're thinking of all of the problems going on in America today? Belgium? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think Belgium, it certainly doesn't float to the top of my list. But let's go ahead and see if we get down into the buried 
part of the article around paragraph 15. Where is the fentanyl coming from that's gotten into Texas and throughout the United States? Cartels in Mexico are primarily responsible. Mexico? Who would have imagined that the fentanyl was coming from Mexico? Cartels in Mexico are primarily responsible for making most of the fentanyl pills being trafficked today in America, according to U.S. authorities. The cartels obtain the precursor chemicals used to produce the raw fentanyl powder, or sometimes the powder itself, from clandestine labs in China. I'm not going to spend too much more time on this issue, because is it really news? Did you not know that fentanyl was coming through Mexico into the United States by way of China? Did you not know that about 10% of the fentanyl is actually coming in legally through the port at Tijuana? Which means that about 90% of the fentanyl is coming into the country illegally, not through a port of entry. And we know that along with fentanyl trafficking, there is human trafficking, there is sex trafficking, there's all kinds of other humanitarian disasters that are involved with illegal immigration. And much of the blame falls on the cartels who are exploiting the system to great financial benefit. And also at the cost of tens of thousands of human lives in Mexico year after year after year. And Mexico, the government, they do not have a hold on the cartels. But the Mexican government is also very happy that all of the illegal immigrants that they're allowing to come into Mexico are just moving right along. Mexico invites you to enter the United States, especially if you're from any other country in the world, Honduras, Guatemala, different countries in Africa, the Middle East, Asia, the whole world knows that the Texas border is wide open and the rest of the border states are pretty much wide open. And the Democrats, Joe Biden administration, they continuously tell us that there's no problem at the border, that there is no border crisis, even though we have a record amount of federal immigration cases that have passed through the courts this year, even though they are going to hire another 250 or so judges to process the millions of backlog federal immigration cases. And they're going to hire even more bureaucrats in support roles to assist those judges to handle all of these asylum cases and other immigration cases. And these, of course, these are the people who are actually showing up to court who are, you know, I, I'm sorry for them, particularly if they're working people. You know, if you have a job and you're not committing a crime outside of illegally entering the country, well, you know, I don't have that much of a beef with you. But in, in many states... In Massachusetts, there are now 40-plus hotels and motels that are housing illegal immigrants. 
And in many cases, these motels, like some on Cape Cod, there's one down in Yarmouth or West Yarmouth that was housing uh, people of lower income, but they were still paying over $1,000 a month, elderly people who've been evicted because now the state is contracting with this hotel and many others at a much higher rate backed by federal dollars to give these illegal aliens housing. And in some cases, the state of Massachusetts has a 10-year contract to completely rent out all of the rooms in these hotels, which some of them have 300 plus rooms. Of course, the vast majority of these hotels and motels are in working class areas. They're not in the the privileged Yankee lily white suburbs, of, of course. The governor, Mara Healy, and the senators, the U.S. senators, including Elizabeth Warren, who lives in the Tawny, just outside of Harvard Square area in a beautiful home that's worth millions of dollars where she doesn't have any kids living in the house and, and she could be putting up some illegal aliens in her spare bedrooms, just as the, the Healy administration has asked the taxpayers of Massachusetts to do. Uh, we know that New York is a disaster, same thing going on there. We know that Chicago, same thing going on there. But all of these mayors and governors and senators, they proudly tweet out and boast that they are sanctuary cities and states. And Governor Abbott sends a couple of buses up to these areas, D.C. as well. And all of a sudden, they're overwhelmed. They're deluged. They have no more capacity. They need help. They need federal assistance. Well, Biden, you know, just let me refer you to the Biden statement, which is there's no problem. There is no immigration problem whatsoever. There's no illegal alien crisis. And it's all just a Republican conspiracy theory. Speaking of conspiracy theories, Dr. Fauci, he recently appeared on CNN. He was with some host I've never heard of. And I I was shocked at the confrontation. I've tweeted this out if you want to take a look at the exchange. But the CNN host confronted Fauci about the fact that pretty much all of the studies that have come out regarding the efficacy of masks show that they are completely useless. They don't work. They didn't stop one single transmission. They are just a complete farce. Even the N95s. They haven't helped whatsoever anybody at all. Fauci, with all of his double talk, you, you should hear him. Or you've heard him. You, you, you're sick of hearing him. I'm sick of hearing him. But instead of just retiring in disgrace, as he should, and enjoying his millions of dollars, courtesy of the U.S. taxpayers. All right, I'm going to play a little bit of the cut and... Be forewarned, make sure you have your sick bag with you just in case, because you're probably going to want to vomit when you start hearing this piece of trash subhuman trying to scam you once again. And infectious diseases. Dr. Fauci, nice to have you back. How worried nice are you to that have you back. will not follow advice to wear masks if, big if, if we get to that? 
Well, Michael, that's a very good question. As you said, if we get to that, I mean, we're starting to see a surge of cases, as you mentioned. A surge? Uh, or 19% oh, another surge. Oh, my God. Certainly going in the wrong direction. After all those like vaccines that we had that are 96% effective. Surge. How bad it's going to get, we don't know. As you know, this is a very unpredictable virus has shown us that. Well, really, we're heading into an election years. year. I think I that's pretty predictable. I'm going to skip ahead. Again, this clip, it's all over social media. It's all over Twitter or X. It's about a nine or ten minute interview. But finally, the host confronts Fauci, the scam artist, fake phony baloney doctor who has completely decimated confidence in the profession. Finally, he confronts him about masks. So uh, bear with me here. I'm going to play the cut. I'm going to refer to one of them. You've heard about it before. I heard about it from a number of radio callers. Uh, Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference. He told the journalist Mayan Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality? Surgical or cloth masks makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? Even CNN even CNN has come around to admitting that it was all a big hoax. It was a big farce. There, there were no studies. Democrats tell us that they're the party of science, right? On those hate doesn't belong here signs, those yard signs that you see in the liberal neighborhoods. Usually, or what about the signs where in this house we believe in blah, 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 all of the woke nonsense. Science. We believe in science in this house. Science says that masks don't work. Anyway, Fauci, as bold and brazen as he is from his position as the high-ranking clergyman in the Church of Covetology, you can't tell him anything. So here he is. Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But what the hell is he talking about? He sounds like a kid who's supposed to give a presentation at school and didn't do any of the research, has no idea what he's talking about, and he just gets up in front of the class and whatever comes to mind, he's just spewing it out. A bunch of double talk, a bunch of confusing syntax. He's a, a disgrace monster. He, he will not be going to heaven. You know what? Don't even get me started on, on the adjectives that I could describe this subhuman disgrace to the medical profession. You know what you can do a lot more for yourself than put a mask on if you're real concerned about your health? Why don't you put the hot dog down at the Labor Day cookout? Why don't you push the mayonnaise away from you at the table? Y you know what? That would help a lot in the fight against COVID and every other disease. 
but you know what? We, we can't confront any of these truths. We can't confront the fact that America has an obesity problem, a type 2 diabetes problem, a heart disease problem, a risk of stroke problem. Problems which are all preventable with all of the advanced knowledge, technology, and information that we have here in the United States, which should be the most advanced civilization ever to appear on planet Earth. But we're just so addicted to delusion. And again, it, it goes back to it's much easier to put a mask on than to address your health in any meaningful way. It's much easier to go and get some pills or a uh, crap scene that doesn't work. It's much easier to do that, to take those kind of measures versus actually address your health in any meaningful way. Health, as we know, it's something you have to do every day. It's not a, a one and done. It's not a seasonal thing. It's not a once a year thing. Health is every day. Same thing with the border. By some estimates, by the end of Joe Biden's hopefully only term as president, 10 million illegal aliens more will have come into the country. Well, they, the Democrats have told us that there's only 11 million illegal immigrants, and that number hasn't changed in 20 years. So these 10 million, I guess, I don't know how they're going to absorb and spin that number. But, it, you know, going back to the history books from grammar school, from from high school, we read about in the 19th century, the waves of immigration that came from Ireland and Italy and other parts of Catholic Europe. And what significant changes to the landscape those immigration waves had on the United States. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. But these 10 million illegal aliens that are going to be arriving into the country by the end of 2024. Already in 2022, there were almost two and a half million illegal aliens. But the Democrats tell us there's no problem, there's no crisis. Any American, you travel anywhere, including to Mexico, you need to show identification and you need to be examined by an immigration official, whatever the country is, have your face scanned, by facial recognition technology. You need to be documented, monitored, you probably pay a fee to go into the country. We all have to do that. But illegal aliens, you can just come in and immediately sign up, get free education, get a free cell phone, get food stamps, get Section 8 housing, get a driver's license now in places like Massachusetts. Massachusetts, they hired scores of new Department of Motor Vehicle workers. They extended the hours of the DMV or the RMV, whatever they call it. They started opening Saturday hours, Saturday hours for a state agency to accommodate the tens of thousands of illegal aliens who were going to be getting a driver's license, which is going to have absolutely no distinction from a driver's license for a U.S. citizen. I just bring this up, not because I have a beef with uh, with immigrants at all, which I completely do not, especially if they're working. If they're working, they're paying rent, they are contributing, they're not making a hassle for anybody, the police, 
then you know what? Go ahead. I, I don't care. Go ahead. Keep on doing it. I know there's plenty of illegal aliens in my neighborhood. And, and I pass the bums in the morning going to the gym who are uh, urinating on themselves in front of the library until the library opens so they can go into the bathroom there that's monitored full-time by a Dallas police officer. And But they're, uh, they're in a drugged-out stupor, coma, on the library steps or in the doorway of the club or the restaurant, or they're up uh, walking around looking for something that can be ignited. And the illegal aliens have a leaf blower, and they're uh, cleaning up the streets that the homeless people have contributed to turning into a, a garbage den. So I don't have a problem if if that is the kind of immigrant that you are, one that comes here and gets a job. But I just don't understand how you can tax American citizens and hold American citizens and legal U.S. residents to all of these standards, all of these levels of compliance, but then illegal aliens at nothing, and you just start handing out the freebies. That's a rhetorical kind of a question, of course. I know exactly why. You know exactly why. All right, I might discuss Ken Paxton and his impeachment trial in another episode. I'm recording this over Labor Day, so the trial hasn't happened yet. But there are a couple of other local Texas stories. This one ended up in the New York Post. A Texas mom refuses to sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, to visit her child's public school campus. I've got another school story, too, and I hate having to talk about the school stories because our public schools, our K through 12 schools, they are doing everything. And you know what? Parents are complicit in this too, but the conversation around our schools and the the media is complicit in this too. We will do everything to talk about the fact that most kids cannot read on grade level and that schools are not teaching reading. We'd rather talk about gender and transgender and every kind of sexuality in library books, anything that we can do to avoid discussing the fact that kids don't read and no one is teaching them to read, and that's probably because the parents don't read, and it's probably because a lot of the teachers aren't reading either. In a move appearing in direct contravention of the First Amendment writes, a mother claims a public middle school in Texas tried to make her sign a non-disclosure agreement in order to be on campus. When Amber Longacre tried to visit Kitty Hawk Middle School on August 15th in the San Antonio area, the parent was approached by several school staffers who wanted her to sign an NDA, a legal document which prevents sensitive information from being shared, which is normally reserved for private employers who want to prevent leaks. Longacre immediately became suspicious as to why a taxpayer-funded public building would curb free speech. In any case, this parent, Ms. Longacre, she did not sign the NDA, and she did threaten legal action. She did threaten a lawsuit, and immediately the school district pulled the NDA. Can you imagine you're a parent and you have to sign an NDA to go into your child's school? And at first... Longacre, this mother, she was saying that the staff, they were just trying to bully her, to goad her into signing it. Oh, just, you know, just sign it. It's not a big deal. Everybody else signs it. 
Oh, just put the mask on. What's the harm? It's not hurting you. You might help somebody. Just put the mask on. Yeah, does that sound familiar? Just just shut up. Turn off your brain. Follow directions. Have your constitutional and human rights violated. And just, just because. Just because we say so. That's why. Here's another story. This is by way of the Houston Chronicle. Katie ISD, Katie, Texas, it's near Houston. It's kind of a suburb of Houston. Adopts new policy requiring teachers to out transgender students. There's a, a woke headline for you. How about Katie ISD adopts new policy to keep parents informed? How about that? In a Monday night meeting, the Katy Independent School District Board of Trustees approved a controversial policy requiring teachers and district staff to alert parents if a student comes out as transgender. In addition to informing parents, board members voted to mandate teachers seek parental approval before using pronouns for a student that differs from one assigned at birth. Under the policy, any instruction course information or materials on gender fluidity is also banned. I may have mentioned on an earlier show a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, she's a teacher in the greater Boston area. She teaches elementary school. And these elementary school kids who, gee, I wonder how they even know about sex or sexuality yet could it be having something to do with the cell phone that they've been probably given since they came out of the womb they had an ipad stuck in their hand with an internet connection and she has students who are coming in they are identifying as transgender and they want different names and they want different pronouns and all of a sudden the parent comes in and says she's not you, you are not to call my daughter by whatever name she thinks she has. You're going to call her by the one that's on the birth certificate. And you're going to use the pronouns that are on her birth certificate, her biological correct pronouns. And you know what? In this particular case that I'm referring to that my teacher friend was sharing with me, the, the parent was well aware of what the child was trying to do. And the parent made a parental decision that this child was too young to be making those kind of decisions, whether or not the teacher or the school or the public or other parents or, or her friends or whatever think that that decision is incorrect. It's within the parent's rights. Do you know how many parents and advocates think that teachers should be complicit in keeping students' secrets. Do you know if when I was a teacher, which I was for seven years, you know what another teacher told me? She, a lot of the kids, they weren't using, they, they didn't so much want names that were opposite gender names, but they, if they had a, a street name, they had a nickname, they had a gang name in some cases. And you know what another teacher said? She said, whatever name is on that roster, that is the name that that kid is going by. Fine. Your name's Joseph. You want to go by Joe. That's fine. Uh, yeah, as if there's any uh, Josephs anymore being named in the schools. You know what? There's a lot of parents, plenty of them. They are uninvolved in their children's academic lives. And maybe they're working. Maybe they're working more than one job. I understand that. 
there, there's all kinds of reasons, but you know what? Your job as a teacher and as a school district, which is funded by the property taxes that parents are paying, it is not your job to keep secrets of students. It, that's crazy. And you know what? The, the amount of uh, backlash, I commented on this article, I, I just put something pretty innocuous. Wow, imagine that, keeping the parents informed about their child's life choices. The amount of backlash that I received for that comment, which I thought was rather logical, but this is what you're dealing with today. And yeah, the comments are, oh, well, well, what if, what if the parents say a bleepity bleep and, and it's going to throw the kid out of the house because of their identity, which, you know what, how often does that really happen? I didn't see any data in, in any of these remarks in response to my comment. But let me tell you this, if you're a teacher, I don't know why you'd want to be talking about sexuality at all in the classroom. Again, most of these kids can't read. Most of the kids who I've taught in my career in two different states, the majority of them, when they appeared first in my classroom, they were not on grade level. I taught of mice and men in ninth grade. And for many kids, it was probably the first book they ever read, the first chapter book, and it's a novella. And it is a very accessible text. And it does deal with a lot of mature subjects. But you know what? I had to read that in seventh grade of Mice and Men. So, if, but that's, that is high school now. You can read a, a middle school, a fifth grade book. And most of the kids, they're, they're not going to perceive that as they're being taught down to. For most people, for most kids nowadays... In high school, they're on a fifth grade, sixth grade reading level. It's just a fact. And so what are you talking about sexuality for when the kids can't even read? That's not keeping you busy, reading lessons, getting them to read. I know you have to fight the administrators and the district because there's no interest there in teaching kids to read. Or God forbid, assigning a kid to read for 15 minutes at home, forget about it. That's that's out the window. That You may as well uh, talk to them about horse and buggies and, uh, and record players. All right, I'm coming up on the 30 minutes here of my rant. So we'll get to Ken Paxton on a future episode, a near future episode. I do plan to monitor that impeachment trial. I'm very curious. Hopefully it'll be interesting. And... Thank you for listening. I am Bronin. This is the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I will catch you next time.